0: that time, I'd been to like 118 countries, and I'm like, you're going to tell me that I'm going to go travel across the whole world to all of these countries, and I'm going to die from something smaller than a grain of sand. It's like a mosquito. How is this possible?
1: Welcome to Not So Bon Voyage, the podcast all about when shit goes wrong on the road. This is our Voyager chat series, where we interview travelers about their wildest travel stories. We're your hosts, I'm Christine.
2: I'm Jules. And you just heard from our guest on the show today, Sarah Dodd. Sarah is a true adventure traveler. She's traveled solo all over the world and has collected a ton of crazy stories.
1: Today, she's telling us about her near-death experience contracting malaria and the time a taxi driver smuggled her over a border in Africa. Let's get into it. Hey there, Voyagers. We are here with Sarah Dodd. Sarah is a world traveler, inspirational speaker, and personal development coach. She's traveled to 121 countries. Damn, girl, that is amazing. And documents her travels on her Instagram page, One Nomadic Dreamer. Thank you so much for coming on today, Sarah. Let's kick off today's episode with you telling the Voyagers a little bit about yourself and your travels.
0: So like you said, I'm Sarah. Um, people know me online as a nomadic dreamer. I got this inspiration because I wanted to travel the world like a nomad and I'm a dreamer. So I put the two together and got nomadic dreamer. Um, I am based in Spain. I have been there for the last seven years on and off, but I've been traveling the world for the last seven years. So Spain has been like the place that I've gone between travels. Um, I'm originally from Arkansas in the United States, but I left my nursing job, my well-paid nursing job seven years ago and bought a one-way ticket to Spain to just try something different. And I yeah, was only planning on going for three <laughs> weeks or not three, weeks, three months, <laughs> sorry, three months. But three months turn into, here I am seven years later. <laughs> like As it happens. Yeah, I feel
2: like that's where the best stories come from. It's like, I was only going to visit for two weeks. <laughs> Just keep
1: extending it pretty much.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: Exactly. Where in Spain are you based out of?
0: Okay, so my apartment is in Zaragoza and it's not a popular destination. It's like the fifth largest city in Spain, but most people think of Barcelona and Madrid. And then when I say I'm in Zaragoza, they're like, what? what what is can-
2: that what country is that <laughs> what
0: country is that in actually there is like uh Zaragoza in another part of the world but yeah it's in Spain it's right between Barcelona and Madrid it's the middle point so if you go from Barcelona to Madrid you have to stop and Zaragoza mandatory well that awesome. sounds like a
2: good spot to be because then you're kind of in the middle of everything
0: yeah I mean I guess it's a good thing I mean there's really not not okay there's things to do i mean there's some nightlife and there's like good good places to go eat and have tapas and you know get to know people and if you want to learn the language oh my goodness it's the best place because people from zaragoza do not speak english so if you want to go (laughs) learn spanish spanish without any dialects of like catalan or other um, dialects in spain there goes it's your place to go like you can really learn and connect with local people because they have no other way to communicate with you unless you speak Spanish that's
1: awesome how did you end up choosing that place to get a place
0: um so I needed a visa um I didn't even know what so I don't come from a family of travelers I didn't even have a passport back in the day I didn't even know what a passport really was and I, <laughs> I didn't even I, I'm gonna be honest here I didn't even know what a visa was. I really thought it was just like some card. I thought I needed money. So people are like, you need visa. I'm like, I have money saved. Okay. You're like, I have a
2: MasterCard. I have a exactly. MasterCard. <laughs>
0: exactly. But that's what it was. So I'm like, I need a visa. And then I started when I found out what a visa was because I was young. I didn't know, have any experience. I was like, oh crap. I have to make a plan. I mean, I have to have like either a work contract, I have to have like a husband, or I have to have something. And I don't have any of this. So the way that I got a visa into Spain was by being an au pair and enrolling Mm. myself into a local university and through my work contract as an au pair and through my university studies, um, which were pointless, um, I got this (laughs) amazing visa that, oh man, turned into a long-term visa. So.
2: Oh, and I I married a Spanish dude on the side, but that's a different story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I got my
0: my Spanish or two or three Spanish husbands there
2: somewhere. (laughs) Nice. Got to have the Spanish husband. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to jump into five quick questions to warm up before we get into your main stories because there's some crackers going on there. I can't wait to hear about those. (laughs) And so these are our not-so-fab-five rapid questions, and they're a little different to the usual questions that you might get uh, on a travel podcast. We'll kick it off with... What is the worst thing that you've ever eaten on your travels? Uh, uh. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Uh,
0: <laughs> honestly, when I think about it, it makes me vomit. Honestly, I am a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian now, so thinking about eating what I ate uh, four years ago was just makes me vomit. Have you guys ever heard of balut? Balut. I don't oh, know
2: if. I- yes. Yeah, yeah. We oh, lived in the oh Philippines, we lived in the Philippines local- for seven months. Ooh, yeah.
0: This is local street food in the Philippines literally I was like yeah I love eggs I'll try them I thought it was just like a hard-boiled egg and then when I bit down into it it had a whole baby and bones inside of it it was so gross Uh, so like I mean I'm adventurous so I wanted to try things now that I'm very I've experimented a lot in 121 countries and now I'm kind of more conservative with what I eat especially with all the weird stuff that's out there with diseases and stuff i just stick with my vegetarian diet but back in the day i was experimental and tried the balut (laughs) yeah we we
2: we Uh, did not get there we we lived in the philippines we were working in development there for seven months and we were multiple times from local friends tried to convince us to try it and we refused i do not think we're vegetarian as well um And even for like something, every now and then we might eat something and be a little bit more sort of adventurous if it's a local dish or it's something, you know, but that, no.
1: Just to explain to our listeners, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's um, it's an egg like chicken egg that has been like fertilized, I guess, and like grown to a certain week. Like they have different weeks you can purchase, basically. And so it's forming inside the egg. So there's bones. I've heard that people feathers. have cut like bitten into feathers. So you're basically eating like a little chicken in this egg. It's really bizarre. And yeah, we we definitely didn't try it. We're you are much braver than we yeah, are.
0: No I, I was. I'm not. I'm like I told you. I'm fully. Dead. Dedicated to vegetarianism now, and no way, no way, no way. So sorry for, sorry for all the vegetarians out there that are listening that are like, "Oh, this girl's oh, she's a sinner." I mean, <laughs> I had to try it. I mean, I was young; it was in the beginning of my travels. So,
2: yeah, gotta experiment. Yeah, a little I feel bit. like when you eat, I feel, feel like it was something very cultural, very unique to a place. You know, you can kind of bend the rules a little bit. Because it's all yeah. part of the experience of traveling. Yeah. But, they begged yeah,
0: that- me. They begged me there. They're like, <laughs> you have to try it. But I didn't even know there was a baby inside. I thought it was like hard boiled egg. But anyway, so they they tricked me as well. So
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's actually a really good one. Yeah, we haven't had anyone say that. No one said that yet. OK, next up, what has been your least favorite country on your travels? Oh,
0: my gosh. I don't have, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't go by, I don't have a favorite and then I don't have a least favorite. Like I think with my least favorite, it's been associated with experiences that were not so pleasant. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that there's like my least favorite country. I just think that I've had some really bad luck in some countries. Um, But I think overall the country, like I had some really bad luck in El Salvador like lots of bad Mm. luck but in El Salvador like I think it's a beautiful country now I think there are some like the small Caribbean islands mm, okay they're okay but I'm just not a big island destination girl like I would Mm. rather go to like be in a place with culture and just like landscapes and just really beautiful places to see some of the Caribbean islands are nice just Beaches are not my thing. So what? I hope that answers this a little bit. I mean, beaches are, uh,
2: we're all about the beaches Yeah, we're here. all about the beaches. <laughs> we're the opposite. We're like, get us to the beach.
0: <laughs> really? I but don't know. But that makes
1: sense. Yeah. I, I just yeah.
0: prefer i prefer something else. I mean, I think after being in so many beach destinations and then spending a lot of time in the Caribbean, and I think it's really, really nice. But I don't know. And some of the countries I traveled in West Africa last year were like Senegal. Woo, I think there's some beautiful people in Senegal, but man, it was so crowded and so overpopulated. And so, but that's a lot of the places you go. So I can't say that they're overpopulated and somewhere else is not because we're in an overpopulated world, but, um, just my bad, my bad countries, or there's no such thing as a bad country, but it's mostly associated, like I said, with these negative unpleasant situations
1: yeah, that's a very diplomatic answer. Yeah, You're not like, going to get any haters. So now, no. One.
2: People always ask us the same question as well: What's your favorite? What's your least favorite? And ours is pretty much the same. Like we don't. I feel like a lot of it is wrapped up in our own experiences as opposed to like one exact like thing. Like it wasn't like we hated the people. We hated the food. It was like it's more like what happened. And then that's not really a fair judgment of that country because it's based. It's like when people say, "Oh, I hated this country because this happened." And it's like, well, that's because you got in a car accident. Like, obviously, you know, that could happen (laughs) anyway. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And it's also like if I go to a country and as a solo traveler, if I don't find anyone that I can connect with and I just like, you know, some countries you just you're magnetized towards people and you meet all kinds of travelers and it's great. But then if you go to a place and you literally don't even meet a traveler like I did when I was traveling alone in Africa, it's not about the country. It's just the fact that there are no travelers. It's a very, um, very untraveled place around the world. So it's not the country's fault. It's just the fact that I was a little lonely being there by myself Mm -hmm. and being days and days and days and days without seeing another human being. So that obviously takes away from my my amazing experience that i i could have had in that country if i were with that with another person connecting and having like a personal Mm -hmm. experience
2: totally all right well let's let's go uh what's the most overrated landmark or attraction you've got to give us something now you can't say everything
0: okay (laughs) no i was just gonna say like some of the things that i'm like oh my god i'm so excited then i went i was just like okay I'm sorry, it's the Eiffel Tower, uh,
2: Big Ben,
0: the the Golden Eye or the Golden Eye. Wait, yeah.
2: James Bond here. No, no,
0: not, <laughs> golden, not the Golden Eye. The what is the 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 Ferris Well in
2: uh, Oh uh, yeah,
1: the London
0: Eye is the golden The London Eye. I know what
1: you're talking about. The
0: London Eye. Like people are like, Oh my god, it's gonna be amazing. And I get there and it's like closed and up for construction. The Trevi Fountain in um, Italy was also under construction and they are like it's going to be oh, amazing, yeah. and then you there's get like there. 3, and it's just like three thousand
2: people there as well.
0: Exactly, three thousand people. I am not a person that likes to go to where there's a lot of tourists. I will run in the opposite direction. So,
1: yeah. Okay. Good answer. Okay. Worst place you've ever slept on your
0: travels. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I am a girl of adventure. I've slept in bus stations. I've slept in floors. I've slept in the street. I've slept in parks. I've slept in the worst of worst shacks out in the woods of people's houses. I mean, keep in mind that I've done almost 95% of my travel until this point, couch surfing. So that has meant very 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 um unpleasant situations and times so just some dirty 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 places i mean <laughs> <laughs> i if i just if i could just show you pictures it, it, cuz it's just describing it in words is really hard so just think just the floors and the dirt with spiders and bugs and rats and
2: ah! oh oh
1: not rats
2: we well, uh. used to do a lot of cat surfing do you want to tell the voyagers what cat surfing is in a in a couple of sentences for those yeah. that haven't cuz i feel like these days like I feel like couch surfing was a lot bigger yeah, back when we, we were, first, when started we were backpacking. first traveling, and then now you don't really hear much about it. Yeah, true.
0: Yeah, couch surfing is, there's a website, and it's a phone application as well, where you can meet local people, and you can stay in their home, or you can just meet up with random locals when you're traveling. So you say, oh, okay, I'm going to go to Indonesia, um, I'm going to go to Bali, and so you don't know anyone in Bali, so you can get on their hangouts, and you can just find random people to hang out with you in the moment, or you can stay with them in their house, and they will host you for a period of time it's a it's way like to get oh gosh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no i think no, some no, guys no. use
1: it like tinder. Some guys okay, definitely do.
0: I, i've had over 250 hosts until um until this moment and i've never had an experience where someone has pushed that tinder idea onto me because i'm not like that at all so um some people think oh yeah it's a dating app but instead of just going out to a bar you're actually sleeping in their house. And I'm like, uh, no, that's actually not the point. It's a (laughs) way that you connect with the culture. You get to see how they live their life, get what they eat, their habits, what they do in their house, and just connect with the language, connect with the culture in a whole new way that you do not get when you are staying in a hotel. It's just a completely different experience.
2: Yeah. We've had some great times couchsurfing. We did a lot of it through Mexico, mm-hmm. other places. Central America. Central yeah. America. And yeah, some yeah. great stories. It's really fun. Yeah.
0: And it's a it's a really, really great experience. And for people that are wondering, um, it's they're asking, I know I can hear it in my head. People are saying, yeah, but what's the difference between Airbnb and couchsurfing? So Airbnb is like, kind of like the same thing, except for you're paying for a room or you're paying for a house. Whereas couch surfing is a community of people with like this spirit of giving the spirit of sharing and they bring people in without a charge. So that's the difference between couch surfing and Airbnb. I use Mm -hmm. Airbnb now more than anything because I I'm self-employed, so I have a full-time job, and I'm working, and I need that privacy. Whereas years ago, I just traveled to travel, and I didn't need that privacy, so I didn't care if I was on the floor without Wi-Fi. But now I literally have demands,
2: right? Yeah, we're, that's, we're pretty much in exactly the same boat. When we were just backpacking and it was just traveling, it was a great way to connect with communities and learn, and you know, save some money as well, but also like have some local experiences. And these days, we just don't have the time commitment to like just hang out with. So we travel Uh, differently, but you know, I don't travel the same
0: either. I don't have time to just hang out all day. Like I have a job, I have to bring in money. People are like, how do you even pay for your travels? I'm like, uh, it's something called working. And I work a lot (laughs) in order to make this dream become a reality. So I don't have time, like a young child, like I was when I was 23, starting just backpacking and living on like $300 a month. Now, my travel is not that way. Mm
2: -hmm. Same thing for us. Exactly the same. All right. Last question. And this is, you know, this is the best one that we love asking people. Have you ever pooped your pants while traveling?
0: Oh my goodness. What a question is that? Let me
2: just tell you (laughs) that
0: I have had serious, serious food poisoning all across my travels. Like in India, I was just constantly sick. So I have never achieved pooping my pants. But I'm going to tell you that I had a lot of scares. Oh my gosh. I've had a lot of scares because people are like, maybe listening. They're like, oh, that's gross. That's like, oh, but this is real travelers talk. This is like things that you are addressed with. Because when you're traveling, you are, you're faced with things that you normally wouldn't be faced with. You're faced with weird substances sometimes coming in your body with, because they put food, they put things in their food that we don't put it in our food they put they cook differently than they we cook and they put their city water in their food so of course this is going to trigger something in our western bodies that's going to say oh and you can't just <laughs> you have to talk about it's this coming topic. out of
2: one end yeah it's coming yeah, out of exactly. one end either one way or another <laughs> or both <laughs> or both maybe I, well
0: <laughs> i definitely can say that vomiting I can't even tell you. I mean, I just sometimes say, "Oh my God, please don't, don't let it be the other way out. Just come out my mouth, <laughs> I'm like please." Because I mean, I have been really sick in my travels at times. So, um, luckily, the answer is no. But um, some close calls, you know,
1: close calls, some close calls. Okay, I think we're still over for six. Then,
2: yeah, at least people haven't wanted to. No admit one
1: it. has a fessed up to it yet, but we'll find a guest. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, you'll find many, many. Because I, I'm, I'm sure, sure there are. We will.
1: Definitely. Okay, now that we're warmed up, let's get into your not so bon voyages. So it sounds like you have a lot of crazy stories from being locked up abroad twice (laughs) to getting deported from Europe. But let's start off with the fan favorite of contracting a tropical disease. So this story is taking us to Liberia, a small country in Western Africa, where you had an unfortunate run in with a mosquito.
2: Yes. So tell us about your time in Liberia. Let's really paint the picture for the voyagers. What were you up to, and what went wrong?
0: So I traveled all the way from Mauritania to Benin, and this is something that people said do not do. Like, don't <laughs> go by yourself and travel overland from Benin or from Mauritania to Benin. It's just very unsafe. And so I did it, and I was so yeah, excited <laughs> because, like, I mean, I was really excited because I got all the way to Liberia, and I felt so empowered by the situation. But then whenever I was in Liberia, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel weird. And so, you know, I had just traveled so many miles to get to that point. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this is just exhaustion. I'm not drinking enough water. I'm just whatever. I mean, I was putting out all of these excuses. So I went and I stayed in this like very beautiful hotel out in the woods just to get into nature. It was like a nature. It was an echo resort. And I just stayed out there. There was no one there. And I was like, Oh, this is my time to relax. And I was walking to the pool and I was like, okay, I'm going to just chill out. I realized I couldn't even make it to the pool. I felt so weak and I felt so dizzy and just so like pain through my body. So I just took a nap and then I realized like, okay, something's wrong with me, but I ignored it. I ignored it for four days. And I just like said, no, 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 I don't want to go to the doctor. I mean, I'm American. So it's really hard in my mind to convince myself to go to the doctor, like the Europeans so go true. to the doctor, they the Europeans <laughs> yeah. go to the doctor in one second. They just go because it's the they- same as
2: Australians as well. That's
0: crazy. Well, because we have
2: access to healthcare. Yeah, so
1: and Americans are like, "How much is this going to cost me? Like, I can't afford to go to the doctor."
0: Exactly. Like, I will literally back in the day. Now I'm differently. I could have my arm falling off, and I would say, "No, no, no, it's okay. I'm okay." So, anyways, yeah. I just started like filling this stuff, and I eventually got to the point where I was just extreme. I couldn't even walk. I mean, I basically, I carried myself out of like, somehow I got myself out of this hotel and I went and got it in a taxi and they took me to the local hospital. And I basically, I collapsed on the hospital floor. And this doctor just looked at me and he was like, this could have just killed you. Just so you know, like you could have just died. Like, why would you wait so long when you are so sick? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk. He did the malaria It cost test. $20.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was, it cost me nothing. Cause I have health insurance. I had health insurance back then. So it was like one of those things that I felt worse than I've ever felt in my life. And you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I've already, at that time, I'd been to like 118 countries. And I'm like, you're going to tell me that I'm going to go travel across the whole world to all of these countries. And I'm going to die from something smaller than a grain of sand. It's like a mosquito. How is this possible? (laughs) So anyways, I was really, really sad about that, but they admitted me into the hospital and I went through, I mean, they put me through two cycles of this malaria medication It was a nightmare. I was laying there all alone in this bed thinking, this is it. I'm going to die. The medication caused me to go out of my mind a bit and I I couldn't recognize who I was. I was scared. I was just laying in the bed and just like... So I was that's freaking terrifying. out to the to the point where I just told a doctor I'm like after day two I'm like I'm leaving and he's like you don't need to leave I'm like I'm leaving I'm leaving I'm leaving like anxiety like about to rip out my yeah. IV and just go uh, and I, that's what I did I told him I'm like if you don't let me out I'm gonna rip this out and I'm out of here because I was literally going psycho like they say this malaria medication will make you literally go psycho people have been known to commit suicide through this and so I was ugh. like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go. And so I did. I left and um, I went to a couch surfing house, which the host was not even there. He gave up his house and I stayed there for the next two weeks and just like recovered. And um, I was was like a skeleton there. My hair was falling out from the medication. I was weak. I was unable to walk, but I continued on and I traveled for one more month Um, somehow, but I passed out a lot of times. And I was really, I mean, it was miserable. And then I got to the point where I'm like, why am I even traveling right now? Like, this is not Mm. even enjoyable. I'm not Mm. going to like, it doesn't make any sense to just travel to travel if you're not Mm -hmm. even enjoying it. So I stopped the travel. I went back, I recovered and it took me over eight months of recovering and lots of hair loss. Oh my gosh. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I feel you on that. I had dengue fever in Cuba. And Ew. I didn't realize but one of the symptoms of that is that months later, your hair st- starts falling out. And so just randomly months later, I would be like brushing my hair and like clumps would be coming oh, out. And it was no. I was like, what is wrong with me? And finally, I spoke to another friend who had had dengue. And she was like, that's totally normal. But and you were by yourself in the hospital. That must have been I awful. Was
0: all by myself. This is the thing. I was all alone in Liberia is not this touristic destination where I can just like reach out to people and be like, Hey, help me. I mean, it was a scary, r- scary thing. And what really scared me was not necessarily the malaria after recovering. It wasn't about the malaria. It was the doctor saying, okay, you're free from malaria, but you have severe anemia, which is what caused the hair loss. Mm. So I was like, okay, well I can live with this maybe, but mm, this meta, like I'm taking, i had to take red um, iron supplements for my red blood cells. And basically, that takes a while to get in your system. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I was literally like, five feet. And I was like, I need a break 10 feet. Oh, I need to rest. I need to to go take a nap. So it was really, really hard. But man, I am really so much stronger than I ever thought. Because being able to do that and then go from Liberia all the way to um, the Ivory Coast by land, that's a long, long journey. If you look on it on the map, it's like, Oh, it looks so close, but you don't go to the, um, to the south and go along the coast. You can't, there's no roads there. You have to go all the way up then go all the way down. So it's literally like a 30 hour journey by public transportation, which is absolutely shit in West Uh. Africa. (laughs) Really? I've heard great things about it. I thought it was a really
2: smooth, efficient system. What? no <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
0: i was like wait what? <laughs> in west africa they don't even have they don't even have cars they're just pieces of like metal going down the road i mean they're not even duh, oh, it's ridiculous like i don't even know how these cars go i mean they don't go they always break down you will always spend your time broken down if you're traveling to west africa end of story
1: it's funny because as travelers, like adventure travelers, we're kind of just committed to this lifestyle so much so that even if something happens, like we get a disease or whatever, we're just like we have to keep going. Like we cannot accept. You don't defeat. know why either. You're <laughs> going. You cannot go home, and you're like, I'm not enjoying myself, but I
2: have to keep traveling. Why am I still traveling? I don't know. Where am I going? It doesn't matter. <laughs> what I'm, is, I'm, and I'm then just you're still like, what is, is the here? point?
0: <laughs> yeah, but exactly. honestly, that's what sets us up apart from society because we are not the majority of the people. We are the minority. We, Mm -hmm. I mean, of course we're looking on Instagram. We can see, Oh, our newsfeed is like uh, filled with travelers and we can get in this mindset of thinking we're the majority of the people out there, but we're not the majority of the people. We're the minority. We're the people that dare to do things that most people would never do. So, this is what makes us extraordinary. It's this ability to say, okay, here's the obstacle. I'm going to look at this obstacle straight in the eye and I'm going to overcome it. And I'm not going to be held back by fear. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep just going after my dream, no matter what the price is. And that's what makes us amazing travelers. That's what makes us adventurous. And that's why I love meeting people like you guys. Cause Oh, I feel like you guys are like in my blood. Like I feel your energy. I understand you guys. It's like we connect.
2: Yeah. Well, we're definitely preach. feeling your energy. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> and this is
2: this is one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast was to tell these sorts of stories because we found that these are the stories that people feel so passionate about. These are the transformative stories that really challenged people and made them face come face to face with themselves and actually like have to work shit out. And it wasn't when something went amazing and fantastic and you went to this spot and everything was perfect and everything looked beautiful it's like no i was like fucking by myself in liberia fucking pulling mm. out ivs <laughs> and 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 you know like and that was the challenge and those are the stories when you speak to people that you hear about how that changed them and how that they learned from that or it made them stronger or you know it taught them something about themselves and so even though like it's fun to listen to you know these stories about when shit goes wrong there's always deeper messages behind them there's always you know, lessons that people have learned that I feel like a lot of people can either relate to or they can learn from.
0: So something really interesting on that though, this kind of perspective does not come from a regular person because people's perception um, is pretty warped to be quite honest. And many, 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 many travelers across the world have had really bad situations like malaria or a sickness or something happening to them. And they have Put on a terrible perception. Like they put this title, like they created this image of this, like 20 times worse than what it really was. And then they don't want to travel anymore. So they're going out into the world talking about how bad travel is. And it's all about your perception. If you are a positive person and you're able to literally take these obstacles and turn them around and say, okay, it wasn't pleasant, but I choose to put a positive story on this. I choose to take the lesson out of this and let that be the words that come out of my mouth from this point forward. I cannot change the past, but I can go out there and I can share this experience, but talk about it in an empowering way. That is what most people are not capable of doing because they love negativity. They love to talk about the things that went wrong and talk about it in such a negative light. But it's all about your perception. And that's what I love about you guys is you're able to take a negative situation, turn it into something positive, share it with the world, get some humor out of it. And that's what you guys are doing with your podcast. This is exactly the thing that people need to hear. It's not about avoiding bad situations. It's about finding the humor, finding the lightness in the situation and sharing it with the world and just, you know, having fun with it together.
1: Yes. I'm going to like cut that clip and turn that into like an advertisement for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. that was, like Very well said.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of things happen. We've <laughs> yeah, had so. a lot of uh, crazy shit happen. But, but they're, they're the best stories, I guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you also told us about another story where you were stuck between two borders.
0: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let me just keep in, can't let you know something. So West Africa is known for scamming people. I'm not going to say people in West Africa are bad. I'm just saying that they're desperate for money in a lot of places. And the people that you trust, like in the immigration, the immigration officers, the police officers, the people that are in the embassy, and all of these people, you're like, oh, they're so nice, but they're not. They're not here to help you. (laughs) I have learned that in so many places. Okay, there are some nice people. If you're listening and you're, you're an immigration officer, this is not to offend you. But I'm just saying that When I was doing my paperwork, I had it clear. Like I put down the price and I had everything worked out to where I had a multiple stamp entry into Ghana. Ghana is a very, very difficult country to get a visa to. And you cannot travel in West Africa and then just go say, okay, I want to get a visa for Ghana. Like you have to go to another part of the world and get the visa. But I somehow begged them, please, 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 please give me this multiple entry visa, please, please, please. Because I'm already here and I can't go anywhere else. So, they so said, it's not okay. like
2: Europe. It's not like mm. Europe. You can't just bounce between countries and they don't have some kind of union. <laughs> no, they
0: don't have, they have unions if you are West African, but if okay. you are a foreigner, mm. you're not able to just go travel and just go through there freely. So anyways, I had all this paperwork and I was really excited. I'm like, okay, Ghana, it was an expensive visa. I was like, okay, I have all of this. And I'm like, I'm going to go on to Togo. So when I went through Ghana, I stamped my passport out of Ghana and then I went, I was literally out in the middle of nowhere in this, this border that's out in the mountains that people are like, don't go there, go through the big border. And I'm like, no, 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 I want to go see this waterfall. So I got to go like 500 miles up North. So I did that. And then when I crossed into Ghana, they stamped me out and I went into Togo and I'm like, yeah. And I come with my passport, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. We don't do visa on arrivals here. That's only at the big, um, the big borders." And I'm like, "Oh no, no. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> you, you don't understand. Like, I have to get through here." And they're like, "There's absolutely no way you're coming through here. Like, go back to Ghana and figure it out." So in that moment, I was about, I was tempted to say, "But I can't go back to Ghana." But then that would look really weird because they know Ghana is very strict, and if I can't get into there, and then I can't get into there. I didn't want them like questioning where I was. So in the end I went back to Ghana and I tried getting in and they're like, no, you cannot come here. Like, absolutely not. Ghana is so strict with their rules. So I knew I wasn't going to fight anything there. So I saw, (laughs) Oh God, don't think I'm a criminal.
2: I, I mean, I, anyone who needs to start this sentence by saying, don't think I'm a criminal. Kind is of incri- a little bit of a criminal. Is a little <laughs> bit of a criminal. <laughs>
0: you have to keep in mind, it was like five o'clock at night. The border was getting ready to close. I'm in the middle of nowhere in Africa. I'm alone. I had no one around me and I had no idea what to do. So what did I have to do? I saw a taxi driver and I was just like, please, please, please. Please, because, so, you know, they speak English in Ghana. So right right there, someone was speaking some English between Ghana and Togo. And I was like, please, 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 like, get me through the border. Like, let me get in the floorboard. Let me do something, but I need to get over there. And once I get into Togo, I will go to the embassy. I will do this, but please just let me through. So, of course, the guy was just like, okay. I mean, I didn't have to tip him or anything. He was just like, okay.
1: Wow, what a chill taxi driver! Yeah,
2: right, seriously, I, <laughs> hey, I've done this before.
0: I was a, I was a, I'm was, a solo female traveler by myself. I'm very friendly and I I look desperate. I mean, I was freaking yeah. out. I was like- Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: terrifying. I
0: was like, oh my God. It was like two hours away from the city. And I'm like, I am out of here in the woods, in the dark with a bunch of people I don't know. And I'm like, I got to get to a city. Like now I can't just be out here in the middle of nowhere. So he put me on the floorboard and just- <laughs> the guy, the officers came around, but they never really looked into the car. They just said, get out, get your passports. And then people stamped and then they got back in and then they took off. And I'm like, Oh my God, I did it. I'm leaving. I'm (laughs) leaving. But then I was like, Oh my gosh. And someone in the car was like, you better hope the police don't stop us on the way because in West Africa, there's a lot of checkpoints. Like you better
1: hope. Oh my God. You
0: better hope and pray that no one stops you. And we get like 30 minutes up the road, and this police stops us. And I was like, Uh. oh my God. Every time they say an American, they always pull the American out, always, because I'm I'm the only one. And this time he did a circle around the car twice, and he looked in, and he he took somebody's pass or like someone's residency card, and he just looked at me. And then he pulled the driver out and said, okay, go ahead. And I was like, oh.
2: Oh my God um, wow. Seriously, that's a lucky was, break. So lucky. Really, this
0: is the first time in all of West Africa that I never got checked and like taken out of the car and harassed because they like to harass you they'll ask where you're going what you're doing and a lot of the time it's because the immigration officers want to flirt with a girl that's traveling by themselves so it's kind of their way of being like hey I'm an authority figure like mm-hmm. talk to me and blah 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 and they give you their phone number a lot of times but this yeah. time I was and like you just
2: play along and you're like oh sure I'll give you a call <laughs> <Yeah." I'm> like, <laughs> just let me yeah. through the border and everything will be fine
0: exactly I'm, I, I've honestly done this in many times they'll give me a number and they're like please call me and I'm like okay are you gonna give me my visa and then they're like holding my passport i'm like yeah 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 i'll call you especially if i need a tour guide I move mean, they're like okay they give me my passport and then i run out and i'm like
2: and you're like oh, throw bye that paper
0: away <laughs> like, so anyways because i'm like i look and the guy has like a wedding ring on and all this i'm like oh gosh no 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 he goes so to give anyways. you his phone
2: and it's got pictures of his kid on the exactly. back screen. <laughs> so in
0: this situation like I you have to be very very pleasant with the immigration workers like I'm not going to say you flirt your ways through because you have to like keep a level of professionalism too. You can't be too flirty or they'll take advantage of that. So you have to be somewhat serious, but somewhat friendly where they're like, okay, let's just like, let her go. She's not like, cause if you're too bitchy, they will not let you through. Like they will take that as like, Oh no, no, no. Like you're a bitch. I'll be a bigger bitch. It's like a mirror. Wow. effect. Like I will reflect what you're giving back to me. So I've tried that in other countries. Like, just being really like an asshole. And that got me locked up. So I was like, okay, that's it. No more, no more being mean to an immigration officer and telling them, like, you're ridiculous because that's what caused me to be locked up and deported from Europe.
2: Mm. Wow. I know. I feel like it's so frustrating because you really want to just like clap back at them because they know they've got that position of power over you. They totally. know that you, they can basically say whatever you want. And you just kind of have to like kill them with kindness and just go along with it because otherwise, if you like go back, they're like, oh, okay, so just over to this room, please, and sit here for five <laughs> hours and just fucking stare at that wall while I do nothing and take yeah, my so lunch true. break, and they just make you. like They've definitely got the power over you. Oh, here. my gosh. Definitely. Anytime,
0: if you're listening to this and you ever hear this word, oh, please, ma'am, oh, please, sir, come to this room for five minutes. You better fear for your life because uh. this room represents an hour, a day, a week. Or a deport, uh, or getting deported. Like, don't trust when an, an officer says, "Oh, just five minutes of your time." Like, those have been the worst words I've heard in my travels. It's just that, <laughs> that kind. Oh, just come over here and let us just briefly look over your passport. And why in the world do you have so many stamps in your passport? Like, what do you do? Where do you get your money from? Are you working with a secret terrorist service? Like, what are you doing to be able to have these stamps? Like, it's seriously, I've been asked so many times, like, are you a terrorist? Are you a part of a group? <laughs> are you this? Are you? I'm like, no, I'm just a girl after a dream can you not just get that and they're
1: like uh no (laughs) you're like I'm a nomadic dreamer you have to understand this (laughs) we've had
2: that as well and then also with our camera equipment traveling with a drone and traveling obviously like these back in back in 2016 when we first were traveling with a drone it was very so much a gray area now it's a little bit more enforced in certain countries but going through with a drone like for the first time for a lot of these people that were seeing it and they're like what is this like what are you doing with this I'm like, yeah, well, you're I'm a spy. A, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I'm a travel photographer, and this is part of, you know, but then you can't say this is part of my work because then they're like, are you working here? And so you get into this weird dance where you're like, try. Yeah. And then they start asking you weird questions. They'll be like, well, how much is it worth? I'm like, oh,
0: it's like, I'm yeah.
2: like, this is probably worth like maybe like half your year's wage. And so I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, this was cheap. This I got this secondhand. This is like $100. And they're like, they're still like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's like, Oh God, Some, I have
0: seen this in so many cases, travelers feel the need to just talk, 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 talk. And I'm like, don't give explanations. Don't talk no, too much. No, no. Because totally. The more every, they will literally take everything that you say and they'll be like, Oh, okay. Like what you just said about working. Like, Oh wait, you're going to be working here. Oh. And then if you say, Oh, I have family here. If you're trying to make it where you just seem like you, Oh yeah, you're going here to visit family. They're like, oh, wait, so you have family. That means you probably want to stay here. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to <laughs> stay here. And so you don't want to be too connected to a country by saying like you have family or you don't want to say that you're taking pictures because then they'll say, oh, you're working here. And it's just like, you can never win. So the best way to get through a country is just to shut your freaking mouth. Like don't Yes. and just go through, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And just be as polite as possible and yeah. don't be... Don't be too ignorant and don't be too like conceited and be rude because they really I've seen some people get in some really bad trouble just because their mouth and their attitude and they want to like just it's like some power hunger it's like they want to get above these people and it doesn't work like in the end they are they're the ones that end up losing a week of their travel because they're locked up so.
2: Yeah, yeah. You definitely one thing if you if we take anything away from this chat is that you will not win in an argument against an immigration officer from a country that like you're not from because they don't give a shit if you come in or not. Yeah, totally. it's not their job to make sure that your holiday is a good time. They're like they've got no reason to let you in. So just shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Those are
0: very, very, very wise words, like yeah. very wise words. If anyone, I'm sure people are listening that are coming like they're overland travelers, like in the airport. Okay. I'm not going to say you can get away with things, but like overland is very, it's like a whole different dynamic because there will not just be like one officer. There'll be like 50 officers that come from all different directions and then they all get together and then they have like a decision and it's like power. It's like 50 officers, 50 immigration officers against one person. And it's not in a controlled setting like it is in the airport. So in immigration, anything can get by anything. So you got to be especially careful when you're crossing the borders, like in Africa. Oh my gosh. Careful in Africa and these borders. Like there are some really amazing people that you meet, but there are some people as well, like in airports, like in any border mm. or land crossing that you will ever go through.
1: Mm, Yeah, definitely. We've been through some crossings that just kind of seem like no man's lands in Central and South America. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what goes on here? I don't want to know. But people, (laughs) you can easily disappear. And there's some shady shit going
0: on.
2: You better have some spare money in your back pocket to throw out some bribes if you need to. Oh, yeah.
0: You better have like your euros, your dollars, your Australian dollars. You better have the local currency. And sometimes I've been taken of all of them. They're like, oh, you only have $20? Well... I'm like, well, I have some euros. Why did I say that? I don't know. And they're like, well, if you have euros, then you have to have local currency. And they're like, give me it all or you're not getting through. And if someone gets to the point where they're like, you're not going to get through, you're not going to get through. Like mm. they are firm. So
2: that's, totally. that's
0: that topic with Togo. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, wow. I feel like that. I mean, I know you've got a ton more travel stories, so we might even need to have you on another time, but I feel like that's a good stopping point for now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Time flies when you're talking about travel.
2: It yeah. really does.
1: Every time we talk to people about travel on our podcast, it's like it goes by so quickly because we love, especially right now when nobody can really be traveling or very few people, we're like, oh, we got to keep this conversation alive, got to keep the momentum up. And yeah, it makes us really miss being on the road. Yeah, I know. It
0: will come. It will come soon enough. I mean, we'll just wait and see what happens. We don't know about what's going to happen in the future, but... Um, what we can do right now is just get excited, plan our upcoming trips. And we don't have to have a date on these upcoming trips, but we can get excited and think about the things we want to do and plan and just, you know, get ourselves motivated in the present moment.
2: Totally. I I love that. This will give us an opportunity to be different sorts of travelers because we're usually very like fly by the seat of our pants, no planning. And that's how we like to travel. And that's why all of our adventures have like ended up crazy (laughs) And so the idea that we have now six months plus to plan a trip is like, eh, I will just like plan it <laughs> later on. And I don't know. I feel like we haven't, people ask us like, what's next? Where are you going? We're like, honestly, like it doesn't matter. Like when travel opens up, we could just book a random flight somewhere within a week. And just once we get there, we'll work it out. We always do. It always works out and yeah. it's always fun. And that's pretty much how we travel. So people asking us, are you planning? We're like not really just I mean we're looking at places but like you know just throw a dart at a map and we'll go there so
0: yeah pretty much uh, I definitely in the same way it's like fly by the seat of your pants like I have six months I could plan but the time I will plan is probably two weeks before I can leave.
2: Yeah. <laughs> is, we'll it's just we'll the way I you.
0: am. Like, it's part, of, <laughs> it's part of the adrenaline rush for me. But maybe I can adopt a new type of personality during this time and be a woman of planning, a woman of more organization, and the woman that plans, plans, plans. But, you know, when you plan, your plans will always fail, usually. And that's not to be negative, it's just to say what you think will happen will not happen. It's that's, you have to be able to be adaptable to situations when you travel. That's flexibility, adaptability. It's really important when you travel because things just don't go the way you want it, as we have talked about in this conversation. <laughs>
2: so true. So true. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your stories today. Why don't you pimp yourself out, tell the voyagers where they can find you and any projects you're working on and...
0: Yeah. So you can find me at the nomadicdreamer.com. That's my personal project with um, my travels, but my professional services and what I'm doing is I coach people. I empower people to be the masters of their lives, to create habits and skills, to literally create epic life and results for themselves. So I do that. And my website is sarahdodd.com, which is my name. And you can find me on Instagram nomadic dreamer. Um, it's actually one nomadic dreamer or on Facebook LinkedIn or just in Google type in nomadic dreamer. You'll see lots and lots and lots of interviews and things like that of my travels and my experiences and videos and content and photos and you cannot not find me by putting my name on there. <laughs> awesome. awesome. And we'll
2: put a link to all those uh, sites and all your, your accounts and your handles in the show notes so people can check it out. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank you once again for coming on. Yeah, thank Pretty you.
0: Awesome. Can't wait to be back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, see you later. See ya. All righty, voyagers. We just heard from Sarah Dodd of the Nomadic Dreamer. And Christine, did she bring the energy?
1: She really did. Those were some crazy stories. Be sure to go to notsobonvoyage.com to find the show notes for this episode with the links to all of Sarah's websites and social media and everywhere you can find her.
2: Yes. And if you want to connect with us, if you have somebody who you think would tell a good story just like Sarah, or maybe it's even you, if you've got a good story, remember to reach out to us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at notsobonvoyage. Slide into our DMs, shoot us a message, tell us why you should come on and tell us your crazy story.
1: And we will see you on Monday for our new episode. Bye. Bye.